This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. We know that people often gain weight when they quit smoking. Is this really the case? What causes this and what impact does it have on their health? Are there any ways this can be circumvented? Hi friend, welcome to this episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Let's find the answers to all these questions and much more. Before that, I hope you have left me a review on Apple Podcasts. If not, then please do so. I'm looking for at least a thousand reviews this year, which will not only immensely help me with the growth of this podcast, but also help me understand how I am doing. Now, weight gain is often cited as a reason to not quit smoking. Well, my friend, let me begin by saying this. Quitting smoking is always a good idea. Do not hold yourself back if you've been on the fence just because of the fear of weight gain. The benefits of quitting smoking are manifold, including improvement in the lung function, reduction in the risk of heart disease, reduction in insulin resistance, just to name a few. Let's take a look at the data around smoking and obesity. Now, generally speaking, smoking seems to have an inverse association with BMI and weight gain. What this means is that smokers seem to have a lower BMI and body weight compared to non-smokers. It gets a little more interesting than that. If you look at the amount of smoking, several studies have noted that heavier smoking is associated with a higher body weight and a higher BMI than light smoking or even not smoking at all. Now this association may just be due to the clustering of other unhealthy behaviors like smoking with decreased physical activity and unhealthy diet. Another important thing to note is that the people who smoke and have obesity tend to have fat deposition around the belly, which is the unhealthy type of fat deposition. Multiple studies have shown this, and this type of fat deposition is associated with increased insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome. Not only that, smoking is itself associated with increased insulin resistance and higher risk of diabetes. The average weight gain after you quit smoking is about 10 to 12 pounds, but this is important to remember that not everyone who quits will gain the weight. And now let's see what causes this weight gain. This effect seems to be mediated by nicotine or rather the lack of it. When someone is smoking, it induces weight loss through various mechanisms that have been postulated and studied. It causes appetite suppression. It also has an impact on the metabolic rate, which may be revved up by the nicotine by various mechanisms leading to body weight loss. We know this because patients who are on nicotine replacement therapy during their smoking cessation notice a delay in the weight gain after they've stopped smoking. And once the nicotine replacement is stopped, the patients start gaining the weight. Inhalation of nicotine from cigarette smoke causes a rapid elevation in the blood concentration of nicotine, which mediates a rapid rise in some of the neurotransmitters in the brain, such as dopamine and serotonin, which themselves have an effect of inhibiting food ingestion. Therefore, probably due to this mechanism, the appetite of smokers is reduced. Smoking cessation causes the reverse effects leading to weight gain. These are some of the mechanisms postulated, but of course it's more complex than that. 
You know, cigarette smoke contains at least 6,000 components that may directly or indirectly affect the caloric intake and energy expenditure. Another thing to consider is the fact that food and nicotine addiction may share the same pathways in the brain. Nicotine administration releases dopamine in many brain regions involved in the reward system, and this is kind of similar to what food does to us. I want to direct you to episode number 33 where we talked about food addiction in detail and how food impacts these reward pathways of the brain. Increased intake of foods high in fat and sugar activates these reward circuitries in the brain similar to those activated by smoking. A lot of times people smoke more when they're anxious because nicotine has been shown to reduce anxiety. Hence, this nicotine withdrawal can cause anxiety and stress which both serve as powerful incentives for former smokers to either overeat or smoke again. But before I move forward, I just want to reiterate that this is not to say that smoking is good for health and I'm strongly and vehemently in support of abstinence from smoking and quitting if you're smoking just because of the vast detrimental effects smoking has on the body. I want to talk a bit about, you know, mother smoking during pregnancy and its impact on the baby. Several studies have shown that there's an increased risk of obesity in babies when their mothers smoke during pregnancy. Babies of women who smoke during pregnancy tend to have a growth delay in the womb, but they exhibit a catch-up phase of growth after the birth with an increased risk of being overweight. Smoking during pregnancy may also have an impact on the reward pathways in the newborn, leading to unhealthy eating habits in the future. The important thing to understand is that nicotine can cross the placenta so even nicotine replacements is not the answer. Nicotine in any form should be avoided during pregnancy. While this is just the effect on the baby with regards to obesity, smoking during pregnancy has many other detrimental effects on the fetus. All of this of course begs the question how long does this effect last? An interesting finding from a study from UK comprising of data of nearly 500,000 adults from the UK Biobank showed a dose dependent relationship between the risk of obesity and the time from quitting with increasing time from quitting the risk of obesity fell to a level which was not significantly different from never smokers more than 30 years after quitting so people who had quit and had been abstaining from nicotine for about 30 years or more their risk of having obesity was almost the same as those who were never smoking however in comparison to the current smokers former smokers were still at an increased risk of obesity even more than 30 years after quitting so it doesn't seem to last forever but there is still some difference there another article that i came across mentioned the fact that this risk of weight gain is the highest in the first two years and starts to decline afterwards which i think is the silver lining here so how do we tackle this smoking cessation and weight gain should we do it simultaneously or sequentially unfortunately there's no clear answer to this the way i look at it is that doing too much in one go may be sustainable for some people and may be too much for some people so it really has to be individualized some important things to consider when quitting smoking is to be cognizant of the fact that there is a possibility it's going to lead to slowing of the metabolism and hence a possibility of weight gain so to keep your metabolism up one of the ways you can do it is by increasing your overall physical activity and regular exercise it is also important to keep in mind that these addictive pathways get activated and that there will be a tendency to replace nicotine addiction with food. There was a review of the studies published on this which concluded that the weight education were not effective as far as weight loss goes. Personalized weight management was associated with a reduced weight gain and had no negative effects on cessation at 12 months. 
As we've discussed in the past, weight loss needs to be personalized and a cookie cutter approach may not work for everyone. Nicotine replacement therapies, whether used in combination with bupropion or not, has shown satisfactory results in weight control during smoking cessation as well. Baroniclin or Chantex has also been shown to reduce post-smoking cessation weight gain, at least in the short term. Tackling both smoking and obesity can be challenging, but the sooner you start taking action, the better it is. Another thing to keep in mind is the fact that it may take several attempts to quit before you finally quit for good. Keeping this in mind and changing the perspective from feeling like a failure if you ended up starting again to the fact that this is usually going to happen and is very common may help you move forward and try again. This is all we have time for today, my friend. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.